Hello and welcome back to the Harbour Hoops podcast. This is episode 48 and it is our first emergency podcast of the season because a certain superstar has been traded to the Brooklyn Nets. I'm your co-host, uh, Liam Horsley, and I'm joined as always by Mr. Benjamin Jones. How are you doing? Hello. Yeah, very, very excited. I can't wait to get into this and break it down with you. Yeah, for anyone that doesn't know and has been living under a rock for probably about 24 hours, uh, James Harden has been traded from the Houston Rockets to the Brooklyn Nets in a, in a deal that kind of involved four teams, which was the main shocking point, I guess, for, for most people. And it was only a few hours earlier that we were discussing a potential move to the 76ers, and then all of a sudden the tweet notifications go off uh, and he's a Brooklyn Net. What was your initial kind of shock factor of seeing this deal being done uh, in terms of Twitter was going nuts, our group chat was going nuts, NBA UK fans were going nuts, and it was a, it was a crazy night. Yeah, we knew it was coming. I just didn't realise it was going to be in this fashion. Um, with all the chat that's going around about it, like players bad-mouthing each other and four teams involved and everyone's just going crazy for it, it's, it's a monumental shift in the NBA stratosphere. Yeah, and the basic details of the trade are that the Nets get James Harden, uh, the Rockets get eight picks in total with four uh, first round picks and four pick swaps um, but the, the kind of added bits involved with this is that Karius Levert, Jarrett Allen, Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum uh, and a couple more players have been involved in a four team trade that involved your very own Cavs and I think that added extra sort of a couple of players that we didn't expect to be involved made it even more interesting Yeah definitely um, I, I didn't I read that it was all coming through and I read our there's a rumour that the Cavs are involved. I'm just up there thinking, how are they involved with with James Harden going to the Nets? Like, what has happened here? I don't, I couldn't see it at all. And, and when it all came unfolding out, I was just, well, yeah, we'll get into the thoughts. Yeah, it was definitely shocking. Um, like we said earlier, it was just kind of tweet after tweet after tweet with more and more details. Uh, and it's probably since we've been doing the podcast. In terms of positive news rather than COVID-related news, it's probably been the busiest sort of news story we've had, would you say, since we've started? Yeah, I think so. Obviously, there's other things going around, like teams having to sort of cancel games and then increases in COVID cases and bits and pieces. But this is the the first sort of, yeah, player-related massive news, definitely. Yeah, two, two slash three potential MVP candidates on one team. Um, definitely gets the, the headlines going. Uh, so the plan for the pod is we're going to go through the full trade details, but from a point of view from each team. Uh, so we'll start with what team got the least and go through to who we think got the most uh, with James Harden. Um, we've just got a few talking points on on kind of what it means for each team. But before we move on to our thoughts, we've got a couple of quotes from some Nets fans who were very excited to give us their thoughts. Uh, so I'll start with Tom Carter, who's an avid listener and support of the show. He said, uh, mixed emotions. On one hand, we're getting a megastar in James Harden. However, we're giving up a lot of depth in this uh, in this moment and, of course, all of our future picks. A lot of Nets fans will be disappointed with Allen being moved on. It's been great to see him develop over the years and he'll do very well for the Cavs. Spoiler alert there. Uh, overall, it's a trade that's hard to turn down in terms of the firepower we're gaining with Harden. It feels like a pivotal moment for the franchise, which I think sums it up quite well in terms of how, how important it is. Um... UK Nets fans on Twitter, uh, who are a really good follow, by the way, for any Nets fans listening to this, you should go follow them. Uh, they said, when you have the opportunity to add an MVP, all-time scoring player in his prime, you do it. 
Uh, you swing for the fences. Yes, Carrius and Jarrett will be missed. Yes, we've got no picks left. But if it ends up with a championship, then it's all worth it. Whether or not it works and fits together remains to be seen. But it's such a good problem to have. Which, again, I think is just a perfect summary. They've both got a balance as well, which I thought was almost a little bit surprising when you add, add James Harden. But um, finally, Elliot Wade from Hooping and Luton, uh, he kind of summed it up the best for me. He just wrote the words, I bathe in your salty tears, which is his <laughs> response to all the Celtics fans, all the fans that don't like Kyrie, all the fans that don't like Harden, and kind of probably 90% Knicks fans as well. So I just thought that was hilarious that he put that and kind of sums up his, his opinions on adding three of the top 15 players in the world. Yeah, it's <laughs> very interesting opinions there. Uh, like I said, it'd be nice to hear from the other teams involved as well, see how the, the Houston fans are feeling. But um, yeah, so a, a good range from the Brooklyn lot. Yeah, I read, um, so not a comment directly to us, but the, uh, so at Rockets Fans UK, which is the biggest uh, Rockets fan kind of Twitter page, uh, they kind of did a, a tweet thread with their general opinions. And there is an argument that they prefer Ben Simmons, which is fair enough. Um, but they like the fact that the picks go on so far into the future. It kind of lets the team refresh and it gives the coach kind of a fresh start moving forward. So I think it's kind of all, all positive, really, and, and glad to move on and get as much as they did. But let's let's kind of kick off with the full details and go team by team. So let's start with your team, Ben, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, in this trade, they acquired Jared Allen and Taurine Prince directly from the Brooklyn Nets. Um, when you saw this, how happy were you? Because obviously Allen's a good player. I think you actually like him even more than me. So you must have been happy to see this, even though you kind of got 25 centers already. Yeah, on the surface, I saw it and I thought, oh, for God's sake, why have we got another big on this roster? Like, it just doesn't work whatsoever. But I got thinking about it. And last season, I, I would give or take Chad Allen. But this season, he's really grown on me. I think he's a, a great rebounder. Um, I think he knows his role and he plays it really well. And he's developing really, really well as a player. And he's only 22, which is... It's still super, super young for an NBA player who people like know who's getting solid minutes on a on a deep roster that Brooklyn was. Um, especially when you've got, I know he's maybe slightly he's past his prime, but DeAndre Jordan is a, is a big name in the NBA world, and, it, and you got Jared Allen starting in front of him, so that's and outperforming him as well on a nightly basis. That says something, I think. Um, but I started looking at it and thinking because. Obviously, this this Cavs team is in a bit of flux here. They're kind of half rebuilding, but they've also got half a roster that sort of they need to kind of gut in a way and get rid of. Um, and Jarrett Allen could be that perfect centre for the future. He's a really good defensive presence. He's a great shot blocker. Um, and we have got JaVale McGee on the roster, and he, he does remind me in some ways of him. So that could be a really, really sort of good influence, having him there and having JaVale McGee behind the scenes, coaching him on and giving pointers and letting him know what he could do here and there. Um, and it did make me think that they need to start kind of moving on from some of the pieces they've got because it really doesn't fall into their timeline, whereas Jarrett Allen does. So maybe moving on from Andre Drummond, and they definitely need to see Kevin Love out. Um, now Larry Nance is definitely going to be playing more power forward than centre, which I definitely prefer. Uh, so I think in terms of that, that's looking 
for the future, potentially really, really nice having Jarrett Allen there. Um, so that's a really, really good addition. In terms of Prince, I mean, it, fine. <laughs> He's another piece to add to the roster. Um, Probably a buyout buy candidate, potentially, you think. Yeah, but that's where I'm looking at it. it he's not going to contribute massively to this roster. What's he this season currently? He's played 12 games. He's averaging eight points. Um, a lot of that's due to COVID as well, isn't it? Why he's even in yeah. that rotation. Just under three rebounds and stuff. He's, yeah. He's potential for buyout or maybe another trade offer to sort of sweeten the deal here or there or make up some finances. But um, I don't see him being a huge part of the Cavs going forward. Yeah, I would, I would agree pretty much with everything you said there in terms of Jared Allen fitting the timeline with the two guards. The fact he was 22 is actually surprising. I thought he'd be a little bit older than that. He was very young when he came into the league. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we've written down a couple of talking points for each sort of team, and you touched on it there. So I'll just ask you the question then overall. Do you think that they will start shopping uh, shopping German, who's kind of not had the best season when you watch games, but statistically-wise, he's very, very good. Kind of always has been. The rebounds are there, the points are there, the blocks are there. Um, the dribble handoffs are not there, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but do you think they do shop him? Question one. Um and question two is, do you think their aim will be to re-sign Allen or will they try and flip him again to a contender because he's on such low money uh, to try and add more picks to the franchise? Uh, if I was them, I, I personally would shop Drummond and try and re-sign Allen. But I feel like the market is bigger than the other, the other way around. It would be easier for them to flip Allen and re-sign Drummond. I just with what Drummond is on and what he's potentially worth compared to Allen, Allen's an easier contract to sort of move on and maybe get a little bit more back for. Mm -hmm. uh, because Drummond's got this, like you said, the stigma of he gets, he's a double-double machine, but what does he really like bring to your roster? Like he, he pads the stats, but how does, how is it helping? Where does that show on the sort of, um, on all the stats and stuff. And I mean, I've enjoyed watching him and he seems to have bought into the, to Cleveland now and, and I'm not adverse to him sticking around at all, but he's... And at the right price. <laughs> yes, and at the right price, exactly. But looking forward, he's 27. He's, he's nowhere near done, not at all. He's playing really, really well. But the timeline of this team, having someone like Jarrett Allen and signing him up and getting him locked in alongside like your Colin Sexton's and Isaac Okoro now and if Kevin Porter Jr. can sort himself out people like that this is the makings of like a, a really solid sort of team here that could stay together for a long time and really push some boundaries going forward in the NBA yeah I agree I think it'll be hard much harder to shop Drummond what's more even more likely is probably them let him walk I think his contract's uh, up at the end of this year so they could just let him leave as a free agent. He can go get paid elsewhere and they can use that cap space to, to re-sign Allen. So I think worst case, even if you can't trade either or, or you don't want to trade either or, at least you can kind of attempt to re-sign Allen uh, and then hope no one matches or kind of outdoes your offer. Um, mm. But overall, there's no real negatives there for them getting involved with this trade. And I think they get a season at seeing Allen. All I'll say is they do need to kind of 
be clever with the rotation. They don't want to just be smashing Drummond in at 30 odd minutes a game and just playing Allen off the bench or trying to play them together. I think they need to make it even just to see what Allen can do. Yeah. So I don't think there's any point in them just coming off the bench for 10 minutes or sitting on the bench behind Drummond long term. I think they need to at least have a look at Allen for the future for me. Yeah, I wonder if they might may potentially try and play them together and play Allen at a slight power forward role in that sort of Larry Nance Jr. kind of athletic big alongside the sort of guy that's getting in and doing all the dirty work and see how that works out maybe for a couple of minutes here and there. But apart from that, I can't see them being on the court sharing minutes for too long. No, I would agree. Um, let's move on from the mighty, mighty Cavaliers then. and talk about the next team. So the if Indiana Pacers, yeah, if we must, the Indiana Pacers got involved with this trade as well, um, which is kind of the most surprising part for me uh, with this part of the deal. So they received Carrius Levert from the Brooklyn Nets and a 2023 second round pick from the Houston Rockets. Um, I won't spoil too much, but it meant they had to send Victor Oladipo to the Rockets. Uh, so the Pacers kind of swap Levert here for Oladipo. Levert's on that three-year, well, I think he's got three years left, including this one. They get a little pick thrown in as well. Uh, what was your initial thoughts on this? And do you think this is a clever move for a team that struggles to attract free agents? And now they've got one locked in for, for three seasons. Um, just quickly, before we move on, that just to say the Cavs basically got those two players for a second-round pick as well is incredible. So that's the best part of this deal. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, back to the Pacers. Um, this is brilliant for them. They've been looking to get rid of Oladipo for ages, and he's been looking to leave for ages. And the way Victor Oladipo has been playing, arguably they've added a player who is as good, if not better, at the moment. Um, he's he's been playing really well this past sort of couple of seasons, to be honest. And. Uh, it's it's nice to see the the Pacers really sort of they again going under the radar a little bit, but they're playing really really well at the moment, and I just think this is another sort of weapon to add to their arsenal. When you look at their starting five now, it's looking really really strong. So I think the Pacers have done extremely well here. Yeah, I agree. I think I think that like I said, this was the most shocking part, and that's kind of because I think. I didn't see it coming in terms of how good the Pacers could could do with this sort of deal just by getting involved and kind of helping out with a little bit of salary space. Um, and I, I think that the key factor for me is that Victor Oladipo is probably going to leave anyway in the summer. Um, yeah. And he does look back to full health, which is good, but he's not actually playing very well. Physically, he looks good, but he's not shooting well. Uh, turnovers are up. He's not rebounding the ball as well as before. Um, but it doesn't look to be athleticism as, as the issue. It looks more to be that he's just playing poorly, whether that's because he wants to leave, um, like the fit, etc. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of have to wait and see. But I just think this was a player they were going to get nothing for if they didn't trade him. And rather than just getting a first-round pick for the future, they've actually got a player in Karis Levert they can pair with uh, Bogdan in that backcourt and kind of play for the future. So I wanted to ask you, with this sort of young core... Uh, are the prospects in the future even higher than now? Like they're doing very well now, but they've got the perfect sort of age group of players now to go on with Sabonis as well. It seems to be sort of looking that way, doesn't it? When you look at the players they've got, they're all fairly similar age group. I don't know how well the um, the contracts line up, but 
it's looking like a team that could stick together for a couple of years and sort of test the waters and see what they can get away with. I mean, Kersh Levert, what's he been doing this season so far? He's played 12, started four. He's been averaging 27 minutes a game and he's been going 18 and a half points, six assists, four rebounds. I mean, that's a decent stat line. To add that into your rotation is so, so good. And he might have a little bit more sort of freedom on this Pacers team to, to kind of pick up a few more shots here and there, uh, maybe get a couple more minutes. I mean, especially if he's taking out a deeper role. So he's been averaging 33 minutes, 20 points, four assists, and five and a half rebounds. So already you're thinking it's an extra sort of six minutes you could find there however many shots in that time period and yeah. he's ahead of Oladipo in every category except points I mean and that's only by what like three points so I, I think Pacers have done extremely well here yeah and I think as well he'll um he'll he'll start and finish games as well which is even more important um because I just think that that's a factor that he wasn't really going to get in Brooklyn. I think at certain times, yes, they were going to play into closed games. They need scoring, but other times, I think they were going to they were going to not not use him in certain matchups because they've already got that scoring with Harris, um, Irving, and KD. So I think that it kind of improves his role as well, which is which is only a good thing for him. Uh, and in terms of what you're saying about the contracts, those young players, uh, Malcolm Bogdan's contract ends in 2023, Turner ends in 2023, Levert ends in 2023. Uh, TJ Warren ends in 2023, and uh, Demontis Sabonis ends in 2024. And they've also got Justin Holiday as well through to 2023. So they've basically got this core that they've got now, who are, apart from Justin Holiday, all under 30. Uh, Brogdon's a little bit older, he's 28. But with Turner, Sabonis, and Levert, they're all 24 to 26. So I just think that they've kind of really paired this team up well now, and they've given themselves a chance to, to grow going forward. Yeah, that's really nice. You've got two years here to get used to each other and then just go from strength to strength. So again, another player, it's a bonus. You don't think he's only 24. Like that's it's the stuff he's achieved in the past two seasons. You think he's kind of hitting his prime, but he's just going to keep going from strength to strength. And uh, it'd be really good to see, especially if he takes this Pacers franchise with him. It'd be nice to see them back up in some Eastern Conference finals and stuff and really pushing the boundaries of this, of the NBA. So Really, really good. I think this is an absolutely brilliant move from them. They've done very well. Yeah, and like I said, we're, we're kind of starting each of these uh, discussions for each team and saying what they got. But like Ben rightly said, you have to also consider what they gave up. So uh, in terms of this part of the deal, it was basically Levert for, for Oladipo involved in this uh, and then a swap of second-round picks. Um, and the Cavaliers get the Rockets second-round pick and they give out, give out a Cavaliers second-round pick. So that's kind of how it technically worked. Um, and even that second round pick could be good. The Rockets in 2023 could be awful and it could be a high second round pick where you can, can add another sort of bench rotation player. So I just think that overall they've done very well. Um, I, we didn't prep this, but if I had to ask you to grade uh, what the deal meant for each team, uh, if we go back quickly and just flip to the Cavs, I know they weren't heavily involved, so they're not going to get an A plus for, for adding certain players, but what what grade would you give them for, for what they've received and, and given out for the trade? I'd give the Cavs a, a B plus, I'd say, for what they've given and, and received. 
that second round pick for essentially uh, an extremely good defensive centre, which could be which could be signed and developed for the next four or five seasons is yeah brilliant really really good uh, yeah i think if he resigns as well it'd be even higher grade but we'll have to see um in terms of the paces what about them i'm going to give them an a i think they've flipped a player who's like you said potentially going to leave at the end of this season for a player who's going to be around for two and a half more who is equally as good if not maybe better at the moment um and seems like he might fit in really, really well with this this team and the way they play and, and their style. So I'm really impressed with how the Pacers have done in this. Cool. Well, let's go on to uh, the Houston Rockets then. Um, a team that's got a little bit of stick from us on this podcast. So maybe we have to uh, look at them in a different light now. Now things have changed. Um, so it's quite easy what they give up. They gave up James Harden and they gave up that second round pick that uh, we just discussed that went to the Pacers. But Ben, they have received a lot. <laughs> they have received uh, Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, I always kill this name, so Rodion Corkruts, uh, a 2021 pick swap with the Nets, a 2022 first round pick from the Bucks, a 2022 first round pick from the Nets, a 2023 pick swap, a 2024 first round pick from the Nets, a 2025 pick swap, 2026 first round pick from the Nets and 2027 pick swap also from the Nets. So that is four first round picks, four future pick swaps from all sorts of, well, a couple of different teams there with the Bucks and the Nets involved. Um, I don't know what to say really. It's a, it's a hell of a haul. It's not Ben Simmons, um, but it allows them to kind of rebuild a little bit more. Um, what was your first reaction just to seeing that number of picks involved in the deal? Probably the most of all time. I did uh, double take thinking that I was just reading the Oklahoma City's uh, <laughs> transactions for the past couple of years. But they've done well here. I'm just very confused in terms of what they are kind of aiming for at this current point in time now. Um, which I'm sure we'll get into a bit more in a minute. I mean, I don't think they've done badly. I'm just a little bit confused. Yeah, I did get the impression you're a little bit more coy on this than me, whereas I think they've done very well um, for a player that just wanted to leave and was acting like he didn't care about basketball, the franchise, one bit anymore. Um, I think they got a hell of a haul, and the fact that Brooklyn Nets kind of kept saying yes to whatever they wanted in the deal, and 76ers kept saying no, I think it it sums up what they got. Um, but with the total trade this summer, because they traded um, Covington as well, and they got involved with that Ariza deal. They have collected 11 first-round picks, which makes up for the four they lost in the Westbrook deal with OKC uh, a year ago. Um, but 11 first-round picks acquired in a four-week window, that is very OKC and very Pelicans-like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. Um, it's just the next few years of drafts is just going to be a bit boring, isn't it? Because everybody's going to be going to Oklahoma, Houston or, or the Pelicans. So. All in uh, the West as well, which I find crazy. It's like the West, like the bad teams in the West could rebuild quicker than the East. So that disparity could just keep on happening. Um, in terms of the value of the picks, this is what I wanted to, us to talk about kind of next. Um, so the 2021 pick swap is basically pointless because the Nets pick is going to be high because they're very good. They're going to have those three stars. So that's almost a worthless pick because the Rockets are going to get their own pick anyway. Um, so that that 
that, that's not really going to be a benefit to them. But if you look at, towards the end of the deal, uh, with Harden, Kyrie and KD, they can all leave in three years. That's 2024. From that point, they have two first-round picks that are the Nets, and they have two pick swaps of the Nets. So basically, they control the Nets draft for four years after those stars leave, if none of them resign. We, we, they could resign, but we, we won't know for, for two or three years' time. So what are your initial thoughts on the balance between getting that right? Do you think they've done well to get a lot more picks for after that time? Because it's very unlikely they're going to suck in the next three years. Yeah, that's what you want to be aiming for after that re-signing window, because there's, there's no guarantee, unless they maybe like three Pete that they're all going to keep re-signing with this team and there's no sort of guarantee that the team's going to want to keep re-signing them depending on like monetary value and luxury tax things like that so that's your kind of window there like you said it it's unlikely that the three years they have definitely got them that they're going to be anywhere outside the top three teams in the east so what would be the point in having their draft pick at that period of time mm-hmm. so they've done well thinking about the future um i just i'm just curious as to where they go next especially with this season houston for me have become almost like a hospital team like they're just picking up players that are recovering from injuries they got john moore they got demarcus cousins oladipo X has had a lot of injuries as well <laughs> Yeah, Exum, Eric Gordon's not always healthy. PJ Tucker's real old. I mean, but saying that, it's not a bad roster now. It's not awful, which is why I'm confused. Do they want to now start tanking and, and cashing in on all these draft picks they've got? Or do they want to keep pushing to kind of prove a point? Like, you've said all this stuff about us. We, we're still going to go out there and win. Um Irregardless of who we've got on the roster, because it's it's not bad. This is definitely a mid to low sort of playoff bracket team. Looking at it on paper, whether they can sort it out, because I mean, when you look at their um, depth chart and you're looking at John Wall's day to day, Victor Oladipo's day to day, House Junior's out, Eric Gordon's day to day, uh, Exum's out, Chris Clemons. He's out. Uh, it starts getting a bit ropier. You never know what Cousins is going to be like. So I don't know. I, I'm I'm a little like I said, a little confused on this Rockets <laughs> roster and decisions right now. But they've not done badly. Well, let's go through the two scenarios quickly then. So their option A of tanking or option B of kind of being a playoff team. Um, let's let's start with the the latter then of trying to be a playoff team. Uh, first of all, I would just say that something we've both kind of written down our talking points. So it's a fresh start from the drama, isn't it? Away from Harden. So it lets the team kind of refocus, which is, I think, something we both agree on. Um, but also, the other fact is uh, the picks. So they don't have their own picks. OKC have their own picks. So they need the Nets and Bucks to do badly. Them doing badly doesn't really give them much hope um, because their pick swaps aren't until later. So they kind of, if they do poorly, then OKC benefits. So there's no immediate kind of, um, what's the word, benefit for them to to tank for their own picks because OKC will benefit. So that's my first point on that. And then on the flip side, uh, like you said, they've got Gordon, Tucker, 
Oladipo more likely. I think Wall and Cousins will be sticking around. They've got those three players they could easily trade for probably between three and five first-round picks. P.J. Tucker might only get a second, but Victor Oladipo could easily get two first-round picks. Yeah. I've laid out the kind of two options there. If you had to push for one, what do you think they will do? I know you said you're confused, but what do you think they will do? Or, or if you don't really know, what do you think they should do out of those two options? Do you think they should flip these for more picks? For me, I think they will try and flip these players for as many picks as they can. However, I don't think they should. I think they should stick with it at least this season and just see what these guys can do. And like I said, just as almost like a bit of a middle finger to Harden and uh, everybody that's kind of doubting them. I'd, I'd like to see this sort of scrappy bunch of players that kind of have been cast aside a, a little bit and see how they get on uh, under this coach, at least for this first season. And, and um, yeah, I, I think it makes it slightly more interesting to watch. Yeah, the only issue I'd say is Exum and Oladipo are expiring. So they're perfect because you can give them a couple of months now to see how they fit in the team. Um, yeah, and obviously behind closed doors they can discuss if they want to extend them as well so they can say to Victor Oladipo like, I know you're a free agent you want to shop around next season but what what are your prospects do you think will be considered or if he says no I don't want to play here then good luck to move in so I think they, they can kind of play the long game for, till the de- trade deadline and then see what they want to do um, but that would be the one I was concerned about I'd say I like the rest of the roster but I think Oladipo is the sort of person that I think he's going to leave in the summer regardless. So he's one that I would be looking just to shift on. And I know the Heat are, are interested, well, rumoured, sorry, to be interested if he becomes a free agent next year. And I just think I'd be calling them as soon as possible, saying that do you want to give us a first round, two future firsts for Victor Oladipo and we'll take whatever you want now just to get more picks. Yeah. I think that's what I would be looking to do. I, I'm, I'm not saying I'd trade everyone and blow it up, but He'd be the one I look to. Um, the only issue is PJ Tucker allegedly isn't happy there, so he might want to leave. So you might need to kind of find a way to 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 do a double deal there to make the salaries work. But I think they're flexible. Um, and if you're a Houston fan from that sort of angle, just as a franchise getting a fresh start, I know they probably loved Harden and kind of sucks because you imagine every Houston fan's probably got multiple James Harden jerseys and that's been their kind of idol, but. After the last three or four months, do you think that there's a bit of relief in there and that it's going to be nice for them to see this coach get a proper go at it now and have a real fresh start as a franchise and build again? I think it's got to be real mixed emotions because I feel like Harden did give as much as he could to the Houston franchise. I mean, he tried partnering with Dwight. He's tried being the point guard. He's tried doing it solo, he's tried doing it with Chris Paul, he's tried doing it with Russell Westbrook, he's tried, um, again, sort of this season, seeing what kind of happens. Like He's put a lot into this team and you can't deny his uh, commitment to basketball and to winning a championship. And Houston, I think as well, have equally tried their hardest to facilitate him winning. And, you know, there's always that argument that without... Chris Paul being injured, they beat Golden State and go to the finals that year. Who knows? Uh, so I think it's difficult to see him go, but the way he has been acting recently, it's got to be a bit of a breath of fresh air to see him go and to, like you said, yeah, start fresh. You've got sort of so a couple of new phases in the front office, new coach. 
Um, the future players. <laughs> yeah, the new players. The future's looking like quite bright for Houston. They can't be too disheartened. I know it's not easy losing an absolute monstrous all-star like James Harden, but there's always that flip side of it is maybe it never worked with James Harden because he is the problem. So we'll soon find out. <laughs> yeah, true. Very true. Um, and I think a lot of people lose stars, or maybe not recently, but um, five to ten years ago, you used to lose a lot of stars in free agency and you don't get anything back for it. Um, and I just think that the fact you can kind of rebuild and restart, and, and they've got a lot of stuff to go at now. Christian Wood's a very, very good player. John Wall's on the contract, so if you don't want to play him long term and he does really well this season, they could trade him for multiple first round picks. They could really go into full rebuild. They could really go into a small rebuild. Um, I think there's loads of options. So there's a positive outlook to, to losing a superstar, which kind of doesn't very, very rarely happen. Um, yeah. But we'll see how it plays out. I just think the fans will definitely be relieved and the coach can kind of have a, a full go at it now. Uh, if I had to give, ask you for a grade on them and how they've done, uh, obviously you lose the best player in any deal it's always going to be tough but they probably got the most back ever in NBA history in terms of picks so it depends how high you value that but what grade are you going to give them? I'm going to give them a B plus simply because you know they've lost an absolute superstar in James Harden fine and they have got a lot back for it but what they've got back for him relies on how they use it and what they do with it so are they going to trade well? Are they going to draft well? Are they going to tank at the right time? Are the teams that the draft picks are reliant on going to be bad at the right period of time? So there's a lot of juggling balls still up in the air with this. So I'm going to stick with a B plus here. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think it's so hard when you lose the best player in any trade, but they've got an opportunity, haven't they, to, to rebuild. Um, and you just hope that if you're a Houston fan, that the GM kind of works that well. Um, and if I'm honest, I'd say there's a very high chance that the picks there later on could be very, very good picks. Those last three years, at least, even if Kyrie and KD extend by a year or two, you're still going to get two or three amazing picks. Because I think once you lose Kyrie, KD and James Harden off your roster, uh, you're probably going to be tanking if you're the Brooklyn Nets, just like they did after the last big trade they did. So uh, I think I agree with you. I think they've done very well in a very tough circumstance. Um, now let's move on to probably the most interesting aspect of this trade, something that, uh, sorry, most interesting team in this trade. It's certainly me and you on the phone last night were debating a lot about in terms of how this team's going to look. We have the Brooklyn Nets. They obviously have James Harden coming in. They've given up those eight picks. I won't read them out again, but four first rounds and four swaps. And they've also given up Karis LeVert, Jarrett Allen, Torian Prince and Corkuk. Cork so I can't even say, so I don't know why I even bother. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just I couldn't believe well, I could believe it, but like you said last night, we were both thinking Philly. Um, I was very sure they weren't going to get this deal over the line. The Nets, and I, I kind of always thought it was going to be Philly, um, but we were very wrong. So, kind of initial talking point is just that big three: James Harden, who's got two seasons left on his deal, including this year; Kyrie and KD have three seasons left, including this season. Uh, what a big three it is! But how long will they be together? Who knows? Yeah, this is either a recipe for one of the biggest disasters in basketball history or one of the greatest teams we've ever seen assembled. And to be honest, I hope it is one or the other because if they're just average and maybe make a finals and don't actually win anything, it's going to be 
what a yeah. waste of energy, like all this big fuss about how the movement's been. Yeah, a bit underwhelming, potentially, if that, if yeah. that was the case. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. Um, we were saying last night, I think, we'll just say it on air, but it's, in our opinion, would you say still that it's definitely the three best players ever assembled onto one team? Yeah. When you try and compare it to sort of what other big threes have you had together, the first one is Jordan, Scotty, and um, Dennis Rodman. Yeah, which... Yeah, that that takes some beating. Like that, that's the like the peak, isn't it? And this is definitely rivaling that. Behind that, you've got LeBron and Wade and Bosch. Like at the time, Bosch was an all star. He was great, but he was nowhere near the level of player that LeBron and and D Wade were at the time. Um, you could look at the Celtics big three in Paul Pierce and Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett. Uh, again, that's maybe closer. Those three players were at the peak of their game and were playing super super well really really top players maybe that's the closest comparison you've got to this three but to have potentially three players you could easily slide into a top 10 of current players on one roster is just mind-bending yeah and if you say top five offensive only players in the league um, then you might be saying they've got three of the top five, six, seven, haven't you? When you take out the defensive end, something we'll go on to talk about in a minute. But in terms of scorers, that is just three elite, elite scorers. Um, however, I would say, talking about those contracts, they've only got two full, two this season, next season with Harden, and the, the three seasons with the other guys. Um, that timeline is very, very short. And not very often do you even get those three players for one season. I, I understand that. But they've basically got two years to win an NBA title, do you think is that fair to, fair to say? Yeah, that's their window. Um, uh, I like, you know, they've three amazing players come together this year, and you almost expect them to now be the favourites. But from past experience of three superstars playing together on a team, it's never that easy, and somebody's got to take a step back somewhere. And none of these three are going to want to take a step back. So I feel like this year could be a real feeling out year. And next year is the one where it's going to be make or break in terms of do they stay together? Do they break up? Do they win anything? Do they lose anything? So that that would be my time frame for them. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. I think that um, there's a chance that the Nets could offer Harden a one-year extension. Um, I think for his image, you might want to take that extension because then you've got those three players lined up for the same amount of time. Uh, and for me, I think that makes perfect sense just to line them up for three, four years, say, look, we've got three seasons together and then we'll work out what happens after that. Because after that, if you want, you could you could get rid of all three. You could trade all three at the deadline the year before the last year or you could let them all walk and you've got all that cap space to rebuild. Um, I think that makes more sense than having one or two of them, maybe one of them left on their own. Uh, and then kind of being happy and going through a rocket sort of situation. So I do wonder if that's something they look at. Um, in terms of them being favourites, like you just mentioned, uh, they were 8-1 to one, 10 minutes before the trade to win the NBA title. Uh, as soon as the trade happened, they went down to 3-1. to one. So they flipped from fifth, fifth, no, fourth favourite to second favourite, quite close to the Lakers very, very quickly. So that kind of tells you everything you need to know about the level of player they, they sign and, and what the kind of bookie sort of feelings is around it. Um, 
In terms of how it fits, I think KD will take the back step because he did that with the Warriors. He's got no problem. He loves basketball. He's not. He really isn't the same level of sort of ego, I guess would be the right word. He is much more of a basketball junkie than those two. Um, you can see by how well he's come back from an Achilles injury. Like the amount of work he's took to just to get back to playing for the Nets, I think, shows his dedication. So I think he'll be the one that kind of has to do more, just like he did with the, the Warriors. He'll have to rebound. He'll have to take a, a step back, holding the ball. He'll have to take more corner threes, etc. I think that that'll be KD's sort of role. Um, but let's go on to talk about the next talking point now. I'll flip to one we had written later on. I think it makes more sense now. Is uh, Mr. Kyrie Irving, what is going to happen with him? Do you think that there's a chance they've done this trade because they're worried he could either leave or sit out the season for personal reasons? Um, or you think that they just want to do it now anyway and the Kyrie stuff is a background noise that's not really related? It's really tricky, isn't it? Like, there's the two camps on Kyrie at the moment, and that is... Do is is he just trouble around your team, and should you get rid of him, or does he genuinely have all of these sort of mental health issues that you need to be more sensitive about, and and find him some help, and with that help and support, he could come back and like make this team flourish. And, and we all know what kind of player he can be on the court. He is phenomenal. Um, there's not many players out there that have ever been in the NBA that can handle the ball and finish the way he finishes around the rim. Um, so he, he's a massive asset for your team, but yeah, he's got to be in the right headspace, it seems to be. And maybe Brooklyn isn't the right place. Maybe they're shopping him around. I don't really know what the right answer is. I would say they're toying with sending him somewhere else to shore up the roster depth and just going with James Harden and Kevin Durant because if you look around the league at the moment as well, most teams have a sort of a big two anyway. Not There's not many teams out there that you could say have a big three anymore um, because it is a, a difficult way to form a team and to keep it going in terms of keeping everybody happy and keeping a roster full of decent players. So I, it wouldn't surprise me if they're shopping around, but I think ultimately they'll give it a little bit of time to see whether this settles Kyrie and they find him some help, see how they get on together. But if it doesn't seem to be working, I'd imagine he'd be the first one out the door. Yeah, I'm in the firm belief that I think he comes back. They don't trade this season. They don't trade him. Uh, and he's involved and it's a big three for this season and for this playoff run. That's probably the way that I look at it. Um, but if I take him out of the equation, I just think about those two together. Harden and, and KD together is nuts because they're, they're the two that are the two better players. Uh, they're the two that you could argue, say, are actually two top five players together. I, I really think you could argue that. I think a lot of people would argue LeBron. A lot of people argue would argue AD and Giannis as well. Uh, and I think it's a toss-up, really, between them two, someone like Curry, Luka and Jokic, uh, up there, but a lot of people would say that's two top three players, uh, top five players. Um, and offensive wise, they're probably two of the top three. <laughs> that's how good they are offensively, yeah. but with LeBron. Um, and I just think whether or not Kyrie's there or not in the short term, uh, whilst kind of Harden gets used to playing with his team, maybe gets himself fit a bit more, I just think that they're going to have some fun games together. Uh, and adding, adding Kyrie in could just be kind of an X factor but it's annoying because Kyrie and KD looked so good together didn't they in those first few games yeah, before really. this all happened but um, 
I'd say trying to guess what Kyrie's thinking in his head is going to be near on impossible. Uh, I don't want to kind of make any flip judgments on him and what's going on. I know the video out there is is not ideal with no mask on, etc. A family gathering, but until we know the full details, I think it's harder to comment. But all I'll say is, I wouldn't shock me if he he didn't play all season, and it wouldn't shock me if he kind of suited up on Sunday and played. So I think it's going to be a a sort of weird storyline, and and maybe if he does leave, they've probably got an even more stable future just with with Harden and KD. But if not. They're going to have to roll with three superstars and just see how it goes. It's going to be very interesting. Uh, so the next talking point I wanted to ask you about this is offense versus defense and roster depth. We can kind of tie these two in together. They've basically lost all their roster depth, <laughs> near enough. Yeah. Um, arguably, they've lost kind of all their defense. Dinwiddie is still on the team, but injured for the year. and He is a pretty good defender. Um, kind of Allen is more the defender. The rest is, is roster, roster depth, but... Allen is more the defensive centre. Um, so in terms of depth and defence, do you think this is really, really going to affect them? Or you just think that they're going to score loads of points in the regular season and they're going to have to wait for, for the buyout market and get your kind of George Hills, your Trevor Reasers at, at the end to try and shore up this defence? Yeah, I think they will have to wait for that. To t- Players will come to them and fill the spots and do what needs to be done because they'll be chasing rings. It's just who is going to be available on that buyout market. You look at their starting five and it's disgusting. It looks great. Kyrie, James Harden, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Jordan. Um, Even though I think he's got to play Joe Harris off the bench, personally. Yeah. I I definitely. That's where it sort of gets flipped around, isn't it? So who have they got behind that? Jeff Green, who I really like, but never seems to stick around on a team for whatever reason. Uh, Bruce Brown, Reggie Perry, Timothy Cabrero, Landry Shamit's not bad. Yeah, but, I think um, Jeff Green's going to be very important for them as well because they like to use him a lot of the five, don't they? Um, yeah. In small ball lineups. And I think they're going to have to do that even more so now. Um, use him and KD together at the 4-5 for rebounding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think he's going to become crucial and key. And I think you start to find that with rosters where they have sort of three stars or two two big stars. There's always somebody who is like the glue guy that does the, the little things that need just need to be done. Um, it, it For me, it's just... James Harden usually is a bit of a rock through the regular season. Um, it's just how much can they afford to rest him and Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Obviously, I'd be staggered um, to make sure there's always sort of a superstar available, but to make sure they're getting enough rest in terms of ready for the playoffs and making sure they're not injured, it's going to be really tricky. And if you do stagger them, though, with rest days and stuff, are they going to get to sort of the postseason and not have played that much together like the Clippers last year and kind of implode when it all is needed? It's going to be a really fine balance, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm in the camp that you do play them a lot together when you can, but Kyrie's not there at the moment. Uh, KD still needs to be watched minutes-wise for his Achilles recovery. Uh, And Harden, I think they just need to get fit after kind of doing what he wants in Houston the last two months. Uh, So I think short-term, it's basically just win games however you win games. And then I don't think until they've kind of rounded out the roster with the buyout market that they then start to look at kind of making sure that those three players are bedded in as much as possible. Um, but think about it, there's, there's actually a way you could rotate 
so that one of them is on the floor at all times. Two of them are on the floor most of the times, and they're all finishing the fourth quarter together. And I just think that that's crazy, like in terms of offensive ability. Um, yeah, I, I just don't know. I don't know what to think. We talked about it last night, and it's just going to be very weird to see, isn't it? Um, I think it's going to be very weird to see. But two more talking points then. So I want to talk about the future of the franchise and get your opinion on your your grade for the Nets and kind of the immediate future. But long term. Uh, just a quick answer on this one. What do you think the chances are that in four to six years they could be the worst team in the East and that this looks amazing for uh, the Rockets? Do you think there's a possibility of that? 100%. This could <laughs> absolutely blow up. This could be devastating for Brooklyn. I'm so on the fence on whether this was a good idea or a bad idea. <laughs> um, I definitely think the long-term prospects of this being really good for Rockets and really bad for Nets is a, is a lot more guaranteed, isn't it, than the short term. The short term is where we're all kind of like, what is going to happen? But in five years, you could see the Rockets having two or three really good picks from this and rebuilding and the Nets kind of being the bottom of the East again. That, that's, what, that's what I can see. But I guess if you win a couple of titles or one title, who cares if you're bad in six years? Some teams are bad every year. And it would be history repeating itself because they shopped hundreds of picks off the... Uh... Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett to yeah. to Boston, and now look at what Boston have managed to do with that. They're potentially the best team in the East currently. I know the Nets but, have managed to swing it around by sort of being really clever with their money and signing some superstars. But could yeah, if they if they don't win any championships in the next two to three years, for me, this is a complete failure. Yeah, and you just brought up a perfect point because. The Celtics with two of those, I can't remember how many picks it was now. It was over six picks, but I think it was eight picks as well. But um, two of those picks were actually Tatum and Brown. <laughs> uh, they actually took those two players, so history could repeat itself. But the difference is the Nets really didn't do very well with, with those two. It really didn't work out. They didn't, I don't think they had more than one playoff round win. Um, whereas if they win a title, it's literally completely the opposite story. So... Yeah, it's going to be uh, crazy to see. So let's finish it off, off then with the short-term sort of things for the Nets. What grade do you give the 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 deal they pulled off for Harden, giving up so much? Because um, this is the interesting part, isn't it? The Rockets didn't quite get an A, but think about it. The Nets actually gave up more to other teams as well. So that's the added part. And then I'll follow up with a question about their title hopes. Um. Flipping between a B plus and an A minus because this, like I said, it's either absolute genius or the worst decision you've ever made. <laughs> um, but you I'm going to give a lot of B pluses tonight. Yeah, I'm going to go A minus just because they've they've gone for it, they've took the risk, they've swung for the fences, and I feel like if they need to, they could make up those picks by getting rid of Kyrie at some other point and get maybe a couple of players back at the same time. Um, they've got wriggle room there. But like I said, in summary, if Brooklyn don't win a championship in the next three years or however long they re-sign them for, it's an absolute failure. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone would... Um, I think you'd be hard for to find someone that disagrees with that, to be honest. I think yeah. that... I think that this is a swing for the fences, like we said. It's a, it's a big swing. Um, so, yeah, last question then in terms of the Nets. So, for this season then, you had them ranked at four before the season started. 
in terms of where they'll finish in the East. Uh, I had them at two and then moved them begrudgingly down one spot to three. Do you see, obviously they've not started as well as you'd think with the COVID and the Kyrie issues, so they're obviously a bit lower than that, but do you think that they'll finish higher than four now? Uh, and do you think they're going to be an Eastern Conference Finals team at minimum now they've added James Harden? Um, yes to Conference Final. Whether I see them going, I don't know, regular season, maybe. You think, I, they, could, you think they could just finish wherever they, wherever they finish, kind of not care about the seedings and just say, look, we're going to beat anybody in seven games, so... If we end up finishing sixth, we finish sixth. It's all about betting the team together. Is that your, your kind of view? That's basically what I'm thinking. I still think they'll come top four, but they're going to be... Don't think they'll just run away with it. No, because because of lack of depth, injuries, player rotation, um, whatever you want to call resting players because they get tired for the playoffs, whatever technical term you want to give that nowadays. Mm-hmm. But... I think that's going to impact them so that they come somewhere in the top four. But I don't think they're going to be pushing for that number one spot this season. I think it's still going to be all about chemistry and pushing it in the postseason. Cool. I think that's a fair fair assumption. Well, uh, one of us tweeted last night that uh, the Nets are a lock for the Eastern Conference title now. Um, And that was me. (laughs) And I think that's true. I just can't see them not winning. That is a stipulation, though, that Kyrie plays. He doesn't have to play now, but he has to be back with the team just before playoff time at a minimum and play the whole playoffs. Obviously, if, if, KD and, if Kyrie pulls out and KD gets injured or something, then that's not going to happen. But if those three players are together maybe a month before the season ends and then they play all the playoffs together, uh, I just think they're going to win the East. Um, and if I'm honest, I think they're all fit for it. It's hard to know because they're definitely going to get buyout guys. And the Lakers are also probably going to get a buyout guy. <laughs> so it's hard to tell right now. But if you were looking at that as your lineup, even though I do like the Clippers and I do like the Mavs, if you looked at the Lakers, which is kind of the favourite, Lakers v Nets, I did say to someone today that the Nets would win in six because they would score too many points, in my opinion, uh, for that team. But I think the key difference for me is a lot of people reply and say, yeah, but Harden's never done it late in the playoffs. And you're saying, yeah, but who's he passing to? He's passing to Kevin Durant, who has done it time and time again at the end of playoff games. Um, and everybody knows he enjoys going against LeBron. That's like That was always the thing, wasn't it? They used to go shot for shot. I remember, was it game four or five in Cleveland that time when they were going shot for shot and then KG mm-hmm. hit like a 30-foot three, like dribble three, uh, to win basically the Warriors the game and that's the, the year they won the second title. Um, and I just think that, the fact that he's involved, Kyrie as well, he hit the game winner, didn't he, against the Warriors the year that the Cavs won uh, won the title, that big three after the block by LeBron. Yeah. Uh, so, so both of those two players have got that calibre to do it later game. So even if your knock on Harden is, oh yeah, he'll score loads of points in the regular season, he'll have loads of like early games in the playoffs where he scores 40, but then game six or seven, he'll, he'll, he'll kind of tighten up. But then you'll say, okay, what's KD going to do in those games? He's going to drop 40 himself. So, yeah, I think that they'd be my favourite for the title. And the fact I've got them at 12-1 to 1 so far uh, makes me very happy now they're down to 3-1. to 1. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Cool. Um, uh, final question for you then. Does Kyrie come back, yes or no? Yeah, I think he does. I think he does. I think they see him down. They have a chat. They sort anything out that needs to be sorted out and we see him back 
within the next month or two. And I, I hope we do. I, I hope everything does sort out because I do really like Kyrie as a player and I do think he's got his quirks and he's a little bit misunderstood and he's probably an absolute pain to have around on your team. But I think once you've got him right and got him on side, then he's invaluable. Yeah, I agree. And I think KD is very close friends with both of them individually. Uh, and I don't think this deal would happen if, if KD wasn't confident that that it would work out at least because he knows them better than you or I are ever going to know them. And I just yeah. think that he, he's the kind of right leader for them to have. Uh, and maybe DeAndre Jordan as well because he's very friendly with Kyrie. But we'll have to wait and see. Um, but it's definitely one hell of a trade and one crazy night and, and one sort of interesting podcast to talk about it all. It's been fun. But we're going to leave it there. In terms of future episodes, we're going to have our normal weekly episode coming out on Sunday where we look back at last week's action uh, and discuss kind of the next set of games coming up in, in the following week. But yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for James Harden for being an absolute pillock and getting yourself traded because it made for good content for us. And thanks, <laughs> Ben, for joining me. Enjoy Alan on the Cavaliers. I uh, cannot wait to see him in that uni. <laughs> <laughs>